shepherds, the wise men, maybe even the innkeeper, um, all play an important role in, in this story because they represent so many other pieces. And so let's maybe talk about shepherds. Welcome to your Renew Your Mind uh, episode, podcast episode number 172. Um, thank you for joining us. I'm Jordan Kettlewell, the Fa- Youth and Family Ministries Director for Gaylord First United Methodist Church, uh, and also today uh, guest host and moderator um, for this podcast, as Dana unfortunately was not able to join us for this series. Um, but with us today, as always, is our senior pastor, Paul Grunberg, mm-hmm. our associate pastor, Jeremy Taru, and our resident retired pastor, Barry Sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to say on three to everyone, one, two, three... Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas! Yes, it's Christmas Day, um, and uh, what an exciting time and a great time to be able to have a podcast and talk about some of the other characters of Christmas. We've gone through our some of our favorite things, and uh, the one person we didn't get to was Pastor Barry. And, um, you know, Pastor Barry, some of your favorite parts that you mentioned were some of the other characters, yeah. The, yeah. the unsung heroes, the extras, if you will. Um, the extras, but I think the extras play a really big role yes, and the shepherds, the wise men, maybe even the innkeeper, um, all play an important role in, in this story because they represent so many other pieces. And so let's maybe talk about shepherds. Shepherds only really appear in Luke, in Luke's version. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they're out doing their shepherd thing and all these <laughs> angels show up and, um, which would have been kind of freaky to begin with when you think about it. I would imagine. Yeah. And um, tell about the birth of a child in Bethlehem. And basically they say, let's go see this guy, you know, and check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's who the shepherds are and who they represent that I think is significant mm-hmm. in the yes. story. Is that in some ways shepherds, even though we glamorize them and um, make them look good, in, in some ways the culture at the time they were kind of outcast. I mean, mm-hmm. one, they smelled like sheep. Um, they were lower caste. Yeah, yeah, they were. They were lower caste. They weren't That's right. yeah. um, someone that you necessarily might invite to dinner and, mm-hmm. and and that kind of thing. And they're the first ones that are told about the birth of the Messiah. And the not, first, not the priests. Yeah, not, not the, the priests, not the religious priest. leaders. Yeah. And ordinary, everyday folk. Um who are someone on the fringes of that culture and that society, and that they're faithful, as we've been talking about the yeah. faithfulness of the people in the story, and they go and see what God has wrought. And then at the end of their their time, as they go and tell the world, go tell it on the mountain, kind of mm-hmm. grows out of their story, mm-hmm. um, is that when they left, they were excited and told people that the Messiah was born. Yeah, yeah they were the first evangelists. Right, That's they right, were the yeah. first evangelists. And and, the, and it's the thing that always has struck me about the shepherds is they're the outcast, the fringe of society. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of times and when you think about Jesus and who he goes to and who he relates to is the people on the fringe and the people who are forgotten. And mm-hmm. um, It wasn't the Pharisees. It wasn't the religious leaders no. that no. God went right. to reveal exactly. it to. Yeah. You know, and, and then if we flip the script to... The Magi, um, you know, we're not really sure what Magi were. I'm, I'm sure they were not kings, 
Mm-hmm. We don't know if there were three, even though you know we three kings of Orion are. Well, and that um, only comes from the fact that there were three gifts, gold, right. incense, and some. That's and right. so we, and we speculate there may have been three, but we don't know. Yeah, they the Magi have. was actually a, a very large order right. of what is, oh, there's been a, a lot of theories. Astronomer. But I I largely considered yeah. a large order of right. astronomers and Studier, uh, students of magical arts having to do with astronomy. So it was like right. magic mm-hmm. in the stars. Right. Yeah. And, right. and it's possible that, uh, you know, that they, they did a lot of research and looking at um, pieces of historical documents and different things. And, and they were looking for signs, mm-hmm. you know, and saw the signs of um, the birth of a king. And um, it's possible that, you know, in the exile of the Israelites is some of the documents you know, from scripture mm-hmm. may have gone with them and, and been in that area of the world and that they were studying Isaiah. They were studying, you know, one of the others. And, but anyways, I think God was on the move. We don't know if they were people of faith. We don't know if they were displaced Jews. We don't know a whole lot about them, mm-hmm. but what, for me, the significance of the, the wise men, the Magi is I think it represents people from other cultures, other um, people groups besides Jews who came to worship the newborn king. Yeah. And it foreshadows that the faith would, the gospel would go to all people mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that all people would be receptive to the Messiah and the Messiah is born for all people. Yeah. I think that's also a really good, um, really good example. Uh, and this happens it happened then and it happens today. Um, but a really good example, like there's, there's there's no specific evidence saying that the Magi or the wise men were faithful believers in God. Right. It's not yeah. to say that they weren't. Um, the odds are, though, that they weren't. Well, right. And so what, the, what this really emphasizes, having them be part of the story, is what a humongous deal this was right. at that time mm-hmm. that Jesus was coming. That these people who, they weren't, they weren't Jewish high priests or prophets mm-hmm. or anything of the nature. They're completely separate. But the birth of Jesus was such a huge deal that they saw the signs and the stars and not being followers knew they had to come mm-hmm. worship. And and that's a great, uh, you know, another great analog for today. I mean, you see so many, um, over time there have been so many notable adamant atheists that in their studies to disprove the existence of Christ and to disprove the existence of God became Christians. Yeah. Right. Because right. the more the more you study it, the more you study God's word, the more you learn, the more you realize it is incontrovertible. You can't refuse it. Mm-hmm. And these magi obviously had realized that. Right. And there's some speculation too in terms of the three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, um, is that Mary and Joseph were able to utilize those um, along the way, or Jesus was. I mean, mm-hmm. the gold could have benefited them on their, you know, being refugees and going to Egypt and mm-hmm. surviving for a while. Um, frankincense and murmur, some people speculate, was used as part of the burial spices for Jesus later mm-hmm. on, 33 years later. Yeah, I think, you know, with those three gifts, to touch on that for a moment, there's, I've heard there's, there's spiritual significance to each one mm-hmm. relating to the roles that Christ would fulfill. Right. And so gold would be a sign of kingship, right? Jesus mm-hmm. is Lord. Frankincense would indicate his priestly duties. Mm-hmm. He's our high priest. The priest would burn incense and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. 
And then, as you said, myrrh was used for embalming. Right. It was preserving. So that would speak to Christ dying. Right. Yeah. So. And, and so in some ways, when you think about it, is there's this, these, this group of people that come from foreign lands, foreign belief system, um, who come and bring some necessary items. I think God's providing for the family, but also the significance, the spiritual significance of each one of those. But I, to me, the bigger significance is, is that this people group from outside comes to worship the newborn king. It isn't just mm-hmm. to find out about him, or, but they come to worship right. him, yes. which says is that the gospel will eventually go to the whole world, and this foreshadows that. Mm-hmm. And that's why Jesus is born. And if you look at uh, the scripture closely, when the Magi get there, it's not in a stable, it's not in a right. barn, it's at a house. Uh, on Jesus, the back streets of Bethlehem. Jesus yeah. is sitting on Mary's lap as though he is now old enough to sit, which usually happens, I don't know, six months down the road. And so there's a, the next part of the story would be Herod killing off the innocent babies, two years old and yeah, younger. younger. Mm-hmm. And so the understanding is some time has passed. Right. And even if he gave a, a year wiggle room, Jesus was potentially a year or up to almost two years old by the time the Magi came. So they didn't show up on Christmas Eve. Right. Yeah, or That's Christmas right. morning. Right. Uh, it's okay. It Keep your weeks. nativity set. It's still I was just going to ask, what <laughs> yeah. are we going to do with the nativity well, set? I now? always, when I set up mine, is they're in the same room, but somewhere else. Yeah, I put them down the hall. <laughs> yeah, so that they're on the way. <laughs> That's right. You yeah. know, they're on the that. way. Yes. And But it could be up to two years. Yeah, it could yeah. be yeah. up to. That's right. Um, yeah. And including that. So uh, another, we just introduced another character, Herod. Yeah, and Herod was the epitome of uh, fearful of his kingship being taken from yeah, him. Power, yes. mm. power. It's all about the power. He was uh, so afraid. He was the yeah. king over Israel, as appointed by the uh, governor or uh, Romans, poten- potentially the Caesar of Rome. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he w- wielded a lot of power and he had three sons and uh, Herod the Great is the father of the other sons. And Herod the Great would end up dying a terrible death. Mm-hmm. Uh, some type of intestinal is basically his belly blew open and it's just nasty stuff, nasty stuff, which he gets his comeuppance, so to speak for maybe killing all those innocent babies. But so there was a time period where Joseph and Mary stayed in Bethlehem while the census was being taken. And then uh, the Magi would come and that would then cause the innocent children uh, because the Magi were looking for uh, the one that was foretold. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that then puts Herod on high alert. Mm-hmm. Herod says to them, hey, let me know when you find him. I would love to go worship him. Wink, wink. Yeah, which is yeah. a lie. And so they found him, and then he finds out that they had already left, and then he kills the innocent uh, children, but before that, in another dream, or in a dream, Joseph is told to go to Egypt uh, by an angel, and Mm -hmm. he obeys, 
and thus in that moment uh, saves his family from uh, a scary time. Yeah, and what's what's interesting to go back to the Magi for a moment is that they did not do what Herod said. They right. did right. not come back to Herod and say Jesus is over. But they were also stuff. told in a dream to go home right yeah. away. But and, they were obedient they showed, and faithful. They, they showed, we see a right. That's right. Here. They showed faith. They yeah. showed faith. So indication is that they they came to believe they came to be believers if they came so, to worship right worship something yeah. had to transform them yeah if they're worship if it's genuine worship right if they, they were transformed in some way shape or form mm-hmm. i would say they would be more aware of the israelite king remember in history uh there are tales that get told over and over and over mm-hmm. again so like the flood um, so like the judges that are mm. raised, so like King David, King Solomon, all of the miraculous things that had occurred in Israel are a part of history. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm guessing that they had an understanding that the God of the Israelites was the one who claimed to be the one true living God, the God who created the heavens and the earth. And so they're, I don't think they're without knowledge um, that the God of the God of the Israelites or the God of this child is the creator. Mm-hmm. I, I think they would have think thought in terms of him being the creator, not just God. And that um, upon seeing Jesus, you know, maybe there's that moment where the Holy Spirit overshadows them mm-hmm. and they come to the realization or they come to faith. Or maybe it's Mary and Joseph telling the story, right, uh, to the three kings. Hey, this is what God said. Well, and there's also the the star, mm-hmm. because they followed a yeah. star that moved and mm-hmm. guided them, which was miraculous in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially if they were, in fact, an order of astronomers. Right. They would know that that's just not a possible thing. So, mm-hmm. so they knew something miraculous, something beyond the norm was happening mm-hmm. and that they were drawn into that for some reason they were their hearts were stirred mm-hmm. um, and who knows along that journey I'm sure the Holy Spirit was working on them mm-hmm. you know to prepare them to to really think about what does it mean to worship this newborn king yes um, and they had to be transformed in some way shape mm-hmm. or form along the way to genuinely worship and then to respond to the angel, I think it was an mm-hmm. angel, that said to them, don't go back to Herod. Right. You know, and, and to obey that. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some other characters that affirm to Mary and Joseph who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a couple with a newborn male child, they would need to go to the temple mm-hmm. uh on the eighth day to have the male child circumcised and um, dedicated. And as they, as they enter into the temple, there are two other characters, Simeon and Anna. Mm -hmm. And uh, Simeon is a uh, priest of old. It says, um, he's the only priest in this story. Yes. Mm. Interesting. Well, yes. Yes, yeah. there's another priest involved in the overarching story, Zachariah and Elizabeth. Uh, but now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation 
of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. He would not die before he had seen the Lord, the Lord's Christ or the Lord's Messiah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he was expecting to see the Messiah. Now I wonder if he was expecting to see the, a baby Messiah, or if he was expecting to see a King David like Mm. Messiah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Moved by the spirit, he went to the temple courts when the parents brought in the child to do for him what was custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you have now dismissed your servant in Mm. peace. Uh, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentile. Yep, there's the finger, yep. Yep. And for the glory to your people, Israel. And the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and the sword Mm. will pierce your own soul too. Mm. Wow. And so here you've got this guy saying this marvelous stuff. And I, I, you know, I wonder now this happened eight days later, if the Magi didn't come and when they came to the house, it wasn't just a, probably a, you know, 10, 15 minute act of worship and here's the good stuff and we'll leave. I'm guessing that they may have stayed in the area or stayed and listened to all of Mm-hmm. what had happened and heard about Simeon and heard about Anna, notifying all that this is God's salvation. This is the Messiah, mm-hmm. the long-awaited or the long-anointed one, or the long-awaited one, the one who is anointed. Mm-hmm. And in that, then they begin to see the prophecies, the scriptures coming to light. Because I'm thinking Mary sure. and Joseph were not just Hey, you know what? We got a kid from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah it sounds good. I'm pretty sure that they were pretty scripturally sound enough mm-hmm. to be able to put some of the prophecies from Isaiah together. And um, and then also along with that, anything that would talk in terms of, of what was happening to them and them being able to say, oh, Am I the virgin that was talked about in Isaiah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. And I love the grace of God and how, and He does this on our journey too. But He uses other people to confirm His plans and His mm-hmm. will for us, right. like through yeah. Simeon and Anna. Right. That had to be wonderful. Just further confirmation to Mary and Joseph. Sometimes you just need to hear it. Yes. Yeah. Again, you know, confirm it. Yes, and plus yeah. some maybe some further revelation, like the light to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Mary and Joseph maybe. Oh, He's. It's not just right. the savior of Israel. And, and then all of a the sudden the Magi the show up, not, we don't yeah. know how much later, mm-hmm. but light to the Gentiles. And here's some Gentiles. There you go. Showing yeah. up to worship mm-hmm. him. Yeah. And when we're here around this table because of that. Mm-hmm. Amen. We're the yeah. Gentiles. Says who? <laughs> <laughs> I think scripture. Yeah. <laughs> says scripture. Okay, okay. So Pastor Barry. Yes. There's another one. Yeah. Very unique character. Uh, that I want to hear your thoughts on. The infamous innkeeper. He gets a bad rap, I think. I really do. Um, you know, he's he's seen as this guy who 
was he was you know supposedly busy running an inn. We don't know what the inn means, and we'll talk about that. Um, you know, and there's all these people in town for the census, and so he probably was incredibly busy. And um, he's basically saying, "Sorry, I don't have room for you." And so they find a place in a stable or a cave stable or whatever it was. And I don't necessarily think it happened that way, though we're speculating some, because we mm. really don't have any detail in this part of the story. We're kind of creating some of the story, and so we have to be aware of that. But I wonder, I mean, there was some speculation that um, that maybe he didn't actually run an inn, but it mm. was a guest room. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> the guest room was full. And, you know, if there's all these people in town, some people would take advantage of that and want to make some money off that. And oh, maybe yeah. mm-hmm. I'm going to rent out my room, you know. And But a lot of homes that in, in that time had stable-type places underneath their home or very close to their home, not in the back 40. Mm-hmm. Not a barn like what we would think of a stable. And so it's quite possible that um, he or Mrs. Innkeeper, who knows, um, basically said, well, wait a minute. We can make room for you here, even though it's not the best accommodations. You know, we're going to make room for you mm-hmm. and yeah. do what's necessary. And I think that's the key to understanding the innkeeper for me is he made room mm-hmm. for the Christ child. Mm-hmm. And that's the message for you and me. Do we make room for the Christ child? Even when everything's busy. Even when everything's yeah. busy and we're going in 50 directions mm-hmm. and um, do may, we, do may we, not even understand the significance of what we're in the middle of, um, but we make room for Jesus. And I think that's a question we need to ask ourselves not only every Advent, but every day is how mm-hmm. am I making room for Jesus? Mm-hmm. And when, when I think of making room, like for Advent season, where are we going to place the the stable, the the manger scene? Um, where are we going to place those characters in our house? Are we even going to place them on a mantle, on a shelf, underneath the tree? Uh, where is the significance of that story going to be during this time? And maybe even more than where we place it in the house, though that's a critical question yeah. because, you know, if there's Santas all over the place, where is there a manger scene? Right. Um, but where do we place that in our life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Where do we, because yeah. I think that's the critical issue. Yeah. Is, is where is Jesus and all of these characters placed in our life? Right. And, mm-hmm. and because this is the story of God on the move. Do we say, I'm sorry, there's no room here? Yeah. And that's the bad rap of the, mm-hmm. the innkeeper. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, I'm trying to be optimistic and think the guy's mm-hmm. better than maybe he may have been. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but the question for me has always been, how do we make room? Mm-hmm. And so I want, I want to bridge. I want to bridge both of those things yeah. together, and I want to I want to challenge everybody listening. Um, this is a self reflection exercise. Uh, if you're listening and you're in your house and you've got you know your Christmas decorations are up, take a look around. Just take a look around at all your decorations. Look at where you have your nativity themed decorations, and look at where the Santa Clauses are, and where the snowmen are. For me, it's bears wearing flannel. Mm-hmm. Um, shocker. Um, you know, take a look at where all those decorations are and then where is the nativity scene? Where is the baby Jesus? Where is, um, some sort of wall hanger that's faith-based, not Santa-based mm-hmm. self-reflection time. 
one is a reflection of the other. Oh, right. absolutely. Where you put the placement and f- emphasis just in decorating your environment mm-hmm. is a good way to kind of kind of take a look and go, well, wait a minute, where are my priorities? So I just want to challenge everybody to do that. Amen. Well, and, and as Barry said, where do we place them in our lives? And I mm. would say, uh, as with Anna and Simeon and Jer- Joseph and Mary and Elizabeth and Zachariah, who are experiencing all of these different things, the shepherds, we can have those internal, you know, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Lord, my God, who has come to set the captives free from sin and death, who is going to come again. I can believe that. But then for all of these characters, it moved one step beyond just belief. It mm. moved into some formal action. Mm-hmm. Obedience. And yeah. uh, obedience is not just about what we think it's about what we're going to do right. as right. Yes. you know yes. Jordan's challenging us right today how, how is our faith translated into action it yeah. is and uh, you know it's it's just one of those areas where i think as christians we need to take seriously uh, or we're challenged or we f- we fall short you know it's the i believe in jesus Okay, so how is that demonstrated? Mm-hmm, yeah. And how's that lived out in our lives? Not just in our thinking, but in our lives, yeah. our actions. And as you alluded, into our home. Does yeah. our home reflect our faith? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What we watch on TV, what we yeah. uh, do as far as um, extracurricular activities. Sure. You know, all of those things reflect what we believe in. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's important that our faith take on, takes action on, um, and it, it, cannot, it cannot be just a philosophical or a mental exercise in our lives. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I believe in the manger scene. Well, how's but, that lived out? And so much of the story is journey, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, and it's physical journey, obviously going from one place to another. It's mm. spiritual journey. And it's being open to the movement of God, which is journey. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to ask ourselves today is, what journey does God want us to be on? And what new steps does God want us mm-hmm. to take um, with this Christ child? Yeah. I think that is a, a beautiful point, uh, Barry and, and Pastor Paul. As you were as you were saying that a, a minute ago, that was exactly where my mind went, was, you know, we— we know the Christmas story, and we we do generally romanticize the Christmas story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but as we've broken down over the last several podcasts, uh, we romanticize it. It was a nitty gritty time, mm-hmm. and this was this was a time in human history where there were specific people that took action. Mm-hmm. They were called to action, and they took action in one direction or another. We talked about all of the right, uh, you know the. Additional people, the innkeeper, Herod, yeah, he, he, he took, took action. action. <laughs> yes, he did. And he so did. this is a story that's not uh, set to a, a pretty song and everybody's dressed nicely in their robe. This is a story, the Christmas story is a story of people taking action and the Messiah coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what we need to ask ourselves is, this Christmas, what action are we taking? Mm-hmm. And are we also waiting for the Messiah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. To come and we're, back. we're part of the story too. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This is real people, real faith. 
and it applies to us today yeah every bit as much as the day it happened mm-hmm. so. yep so let's get out there and be people of action amen yeah. christians of action Merry so Christmas. once again merry christmas mm-hmm. everyone and uh thank you for tuning in uh, for renew your mind um we do have some more uh, unique services coming up over the next couple of weeks, which we would love for you to join us uh, in worship with us at Gaylord First United Methodist Church at 215 South Center Avenue. Pastor Paul, what's this week's unique service? So this week we're heading into Chris, or Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, and New Year's Eve service will be one service at 10 a.m., and we're going to be talking about our Methodist heritage as we transition from the United Methodist Church to then being a part of the global Methodist Church. And we're going to look at our Methodist heritage on uh, December 31st at 10 a.m. And we'll have some food and fellowship afterwards. And then the following Sunday, which will be January 7th, we're going to celebrate our birth into the global Methodist Church. That also will be a one service followed by a catered lunch. And then after that, we will be going mm-hmm. back to normal with uh, our 9 a.m. traditional service and our 1045 contemporary service. Also, please join us uh, every second and fourth Wednesday at 715 for Encountering God. Um, and uh, again, just thank you for joining us for Renew Your Mind. Stay safe and God bless. Mm-hmm.